0: Friends, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's start off with a question today. It's basically asking how many of you read the fine print in any contract that you sign up for? Who reads the fine print? Yeah, a few nods. You guys read the fine print when you sign up for a phone contract or something like that? Nah. Just want the phone. Just give me the phone. Alright, that's fair enough too. That's fair enough. I I always read the fine print now. I never used to read the fine print but I always do. I've learnt that it's really important to know what you're signing up for actually, whether that's a car or whether it's a phone plan or whether it's, I, I don't know, insurance or, or, or an internet privacy policy. You actually want to know what you're actually signing up for and where your information is going. So. Um, I remember reading in the paper about uh, a late night TV ad and uh, what they would do, uh, they might still be happening, but they pose a question. You guys would be up late at night and you you see these questions come up and uh, if you answer it you've got a uh, text in the answer to the question that they pose. Have you ever seen those ads at late, late night? and so you text in the answer to the question, whatever it is and it says, the fine print, okay? The fine print says, you know, 55 cents to respond and then $5 for every uh, message sent or received after that, right? And so what happens is people would get caught out with these these phone bills that cost thousands uh, because, uh, not necessarily always for those reasons, but they end up with these thousand dollar phone bills because Uh, All these messages, they keep sending you messages at five bucks a pop and they send you messages but you have to pay for them, right? So, people end up in all kinds of trouble. So, it's important to read the fine print. And today it looks a bit like the Pharisees have come to Jesus with a question that reads a little bit like the fine print in a contract. Well, to me anyway. But they're touching on very important relationships. In fact, you heard it. They were talking and asking Jesus about divorce. Now, let's be upfront about this and acknowledge upfront that just that word divorce will cause a few hearts to skip a beat and not just to skip a beat but others to experience some anxiety, thinking about that just as it's mentioned. Others experience anger and bitterness and others relief and sorrow, maybe even desire when you're talking about a divorce. And what I want to say up front is that God has something beautiful and hope-filled to speak to each one of you today, each one of you. We are in God's house and as such we're in God's house. We are not in a house of condemnation we are gathered together in the context of worship with a very present Lord whose desire it is to serve and grow and care for us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So, yes, sometimes we hit hard topics. There's no safer place to be to talk about tough things than in the context of worship and in God's house. God has a hope-filled, beautiful word So, let's not only acknowledge this with our lips but let's pray uh, as we begin. Gracious Heavenly Father, we each come to you today with uh, different, different backgrounds, different circumstances, different hurts, different joys. But our prayer is the same, Lord, that as we gather this morning in your holy presence that that we would hear you and your voice speaking to us, that you would speak your living word into our hearts and so build us up and grow us and assure us of who we are in you, that we would walk out radiant from this place, radiant through all that you've done for us and all that you continue to do for us. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we have Pharisees and they're not just uh, questioning Jesus, they're actually testing him. And they've tried testing Jesus and they've asked for signs from heaven from him. In Mark 12 they test Jesus by asking if they should still pay taxes to Caesar. What's the question today? What are they asking In verse 2, and Pharisees came in order to test him and asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Do you know what the answer to that question is? Is it lawful? I'm not sure. You know what? They weren't sure at 8 o'clock either. I think they didn't know what to say. I think they didn't know what to say. The lowest common denominator answer is yes. And guess what? The Pharisees absolutely know this too. Jesus even refers them back to Deuteronomy 24, given a, a, a law given to the people through Moses and it reads like this. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and remember those words, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house, And if after she leaves his house she becomes the wife of another man and her second husband dislikes her and writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house or if he dies then her first husband who divorced her is not allowed to marry her again. You know, whether divorce is possible isn't even up for debate What these Pharisees are really asking Jesus is in line with Matthew's Gospel, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? For any reason? And you know what? The Jews didn't even agree on this. It's quite funny that they come and they bring these questions. They haven't got it worked out. There's division amongst them. There's three schools of thought on this. The school of Shammai and Hillel and Akiba. And the school of Shammai interpreted that a man finding something indecent about his wife meaning that she had committed adultery and that was the only grounds for divorce was the adultery. But then we come to Hillel and Hillel said that something indecent could include something like ruining dinner one night. So, if your wife ruins dinner one night something indecent and you can write her a certificate of divorce and send her away. Yeah, I can see all the men whispering to their wives. But it's not Shem- that's Shammai, that's Hillel, but then there's Akiba. This is really scary. Akiba went as far as to say that even if a husband found another woman that he thought fairer and lovelier than his wife, then that. Uh, was good enough as some kind of indecent act that his, uh, that gave him grounds for divorce. So, if you find someone you like better, well, you can issue a certificate of divorce. Wow. Ask yourself this morning and take some time. Ask yourself, what, how are the Pharisees interpreting the Scriptures? How are they reading God's, Word. Are they engaging with a living Word, a person in Jesus or are they engaging with a rule book? Because I want to say that the Bible is not a rule book, it's not a rule book, it's not a set, a step-by-step guide uh, of do's and don'ts for your life. I said this at at 8 o'clock, I'll say it again, you know what, if it was like that the best thing I can think of is that, you know, I wouldn't need to write sermons every week. I could get Pastor Matthew's sermons or I could get one of Pastor Steve's or Pastor Noel's sermons and, and that they've got from someone else down the, down the track because if it's just a set of rules and regulations, then whoever started it has written it out. All I need to do is get up and read it out to you, read out the rules, read out the regulations. You've got it done. I wonder how many of you would come. It's not a rule book. But are the Pharisees reading and seeking the will of God or are they reading in order to fulfil these legalistic purposes? And the way they're asking about divorce and you know a bit of background in these three schools that they come from, how do you think they understand marriage and what marriage is? Is marriage some kind of beautiful and wonderful gift or is marriage some kind of, I don't know, some kind of random contractual agreement that you can just dissolve. What do you think? You know what? Jesus doesn't even engage with it. He, he doesn't stumble into their trap. In fact, when Jesus Christ opens his mouth and he begins to speak, he actually begins a whole new and different conversation, doesn't he? He takes everything in a whole new, different direction. He speaks on a completely different level. It's not even the same conversation anymore. The Pharisees have missed that divorce is possible to protect people. It's possible to protect people in the unfortunate event where it is necessary because of hardness of heart, because of sin that is entered in and is creating damage and harm. It's a safeguard to limit the ill effects of a rupture in a marriage. Please hear that. It's a safeguard. It's never permission. It's never permission to look for faults or treat people horrendously to meet your own whims. It's not what it is. And so Jesus lifting everything up to a whole new level moves to creation right back to Genesis way back before Deuteronomy 24 and the glorious will of the Father, of the Heavenly Father. Verse 6, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So, they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man Separate. Friends, Jesus is taking us on a very, very special journey. Not a journey of what we might be able to get away with if we're clever enough in how we read and use the Bible, but a journey into the glorious and joyful will of God. He says, let me show you the essence and joy of God's creative work in marriage. Let me show you that. Because if all you want to do is talk about escape clauses and what ifs, then we're not even on the same page. We're not even having the same conversation. Yes, there are safeguards for exceptional circumstances to protect my people because I love them and I want to protect them. But let me tell you about the precious gift I have in store for your joy. Let me tell you about that, that you were made male and female with love and purpose and intent that you might be one flesh, not two individuals in some kind of random contractual arrangement but that you might know the mysterious joy of oneness and unity through the wonderful gift of love that I the Lord have established for your blessing and for your good. And it goes even deeper, much deeper. I mean consider today who it is that the Pharisees are testing in today's Gospel. Think about who they are talking to. Is it not Jesus Christ, the heaven sent bridegroom of his bride, the church? That's who they're talking to. I don't know if you can, can't really make out what that picture is. That picture is a picture of the red light district, okay? The Pharisees' questions of Jesus, the bridegroom, reflect a very ancient story. You sing out if you know it. There was a man who lived long ago who received a word from God saying, Go, take for yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Who is that? It's the prophet Hosea. You know the book of Hosea? Yeah, no? Hosea is called, is a prophet of the Lord and he's called to marry Gomer and yet Gomer is a prostitute and he's called to marry her and Hosea is a man. He's married. He's in a one flesh union with Goma, the prostitute. And the problem is that Goma keeps leaving. She keeps leaving her husband Hosea and she keeps uniting herself with, in one flesh unions with other men. She keeps going away. And Goma is unfaithful and yet Hosea goes to get her and bring her home And as I was reading through Hosea, I thought to myself, just think of what it takes to go and pluck your wife out of those circumstances. What does it take for a man to go and pluck his wife out of those circumstances where he pays 15 shekels of silver and a weight of barley so that he can take his wife back home? What does it take? I mean, honestly, if you think about it, Hosea could issue her with a certificate of divorce quite easily. We, we would agree on that, right? Would we agree with that, that Hosea, if there's any circumstance, he could issue a certificate of divorce here just like the Pharisees are talking about. But Hosea didn't do that. He didn't do that. Hosea redeemed Goma with silver and barley, 15 shekels of silver, and what Hosea does is he uses his own marriage to Goma. He uses her unfaithfulness and even their eventual restoration as this wonderful, beautiful parable. And it's a parable of the Lord's relationship to Israel, his people. And by virtue of Christ grafted in through the promise that God gave Abraham, Abraham through that covenant promise that includes us, it's a, it's a picture, it's a parable of the Lord who is the faithful, wonderful husband and a bride who keeps prostituting herself with other idols, with other lovers, with other loves. And here we are in Mark's Gospel, here the Pharisees are, speaking to this heavenly bridegroom sent by the Father in love to the people and Jesus looks at those Pharisees today and he looks at us and he sees a people like those people in Hosea's time and all times, people who are looking for loopholes, people searching for fine print or people focused so hard on searching for the boundaries so that they can erect fences people who are missing out on the joy, people who are missing out on the perfect and good and beautiful will of God. He looks and sees people who are exhausted, people who are hurting for all kinds of reasons and one of those reasons is because of divorce. Because you and I both know, it has touched my family, you and I both know that divorce isn't just the breaking of a random contract. It's not just, it's not just that. If it were it would be simple, wouldn't it? But it's not just the breaking of a random contract. Lives are ruptured because we were never designed for divorce. We were never designed for that and so it hurts and it doesn't just hurt the people who are torn apart through divorce but it it hurts children and families and parents and grandparents and the ripple effect goes so wide. And it's not just people struggling with divorce. Jesus sees people suffering under abuse. He sees people suffering under unfaithfulness. He sees people suffering because of legalism and hurt in the church, so many different reasons. You know. And Jesus looks at us with holy compassion just like Hosea looked at Gomer, his wife, And Jesus says to you and he says to me, come home to me. Come home to me. Yes, your eye has wandered. Yes, you've run after other lovers. Yes, you've run after other loves. I'm your God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. The Lord is one. I'm your God. I bind myself to you. I covenant with you. Come home and find rest for your weary soul with me. I have redeemed your life from from all of this. I have redeemed you. Not with 15 shekels of silver and not with weights of barley, but with my holy and precious blood I have redeemed you. Beloved, come home. Marriage is but an imperfect reflection, this side of heaven, of the union, the marriage between Jesus the bridegroom and the bride of Christ which is his church and that's you and me. And that one flesh union, that marriage, is yours by faith in Jesus Christ and it is so precious that it is beyond comparison, beyond comparison. So, when you face hardship, when you are put down, When a hand or a finger is raised against you, when accusations are levelled at you, then they're also levelled at Jesus who is one with you, who is one flesh with you. It also means when we level accusations at others, when we raise our hand or our finger at others, then we also raise that hand and that finger and those accusations fall on Christ. But when you are hurting, Jesus is hurting because you are one with Jesus Christ by faith. You're so united to Him and His covenant with you will not fail. It cannot fail. He will not abandon you. He will not leave you. No, the new covenant that Jesus brings is guaranteed and sealed with the blood of the Lamb, the Holy Lamb. By His death, by His resurrection in victory, it is completely unshakable. If it was dependent on human beings, then maybe not, but it is sealed with the blood of Christ. You'll hear me say, this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. It is an unshakable covenant. And if you go to Ephesians, then Paul says, this mystery is just so profound. It is, isn't it? It's so profound that Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, friends, that brings us right back to where we started. Brings us right back to where we started. you think here are the Pharisees with the bridegroom of the church? Now, ask yourself, would you really want to stand arguing about how you could possibly get out of this arrangement or how you could possibly get out of this covenant? Or would you rather focus on the glory of Christ Jesus the heavenly bridegroom? Would you rather focus on His will for your life and community and the freedom that you have united to Him forever? Because while you have a faithful Lord who is truly one with you in trials and temptations, do you realise that every glorious gift of grace and life and salvation, everything that Christ has won is yours? It's all yours. Every gift. There's nothing that He holds back from you. a great and wonderful exchange has taken place. The bridegroom, Jesus, takes upon Himself all the sins and all the hurts and the shame and the guilt and the stains that come with the bride who is the church, that's us, and the the bride, we receive all the things that are His. All the things that are His. Everything. Luther writes, For if he gives the bride, if Jesus gives the bride his body and his very self, how shall he not give her all that is his? And if Jesus takes the body of the bride, how shall he not take all that is hers? Friends, by faith you sit radiantly before me today radiantly. You might not feel like that but that is the truth about you. You sit as a radiant bride without stain or without wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless by faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is right. This mystery is profound and if you're here today and you are unsure about where you sit with all of this, please remember Hosea and Goma. The Lord your God pursues you as a husband pursues his bride. He not only pursues you, loves you so perfectly, but through his new covenant, he has died. He has redeemed your life through the cross. And so he's call to you today is to leave that life, leave it at the cross where it was crucified once and for all and my beloved come home. Come home to me. And we'll have an opportunity as Holy Communion comes closer The Lord's even blown off the the cloth (coughs) so that you can see it, so that you can see this banquet table. And what you have there is not mere bread and wine but you will have such a special union, special holy communion and oneness with Jesus Christ. It's not just bread and wine. You receive the true body and the true blood of our Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Holy Communion is for baptised Christians who believe in Jesus Christ as their Saviour. And I'm going to say up front today, if you are unsure about Holy Communion, if there is anything that you are unsure about here, you come forward, fold your arms across your chest like this and receive a blessing from the Lord your God, the faithful Bridegroom. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we praise and worship you for the wonderful marriage that, and mystery, the profoundness of faith in Jesus Christ that, that you would unite us and, and give us such closeness with you that you take upon all our sin and stain and everything that makes us unclean and that you give us... And robe us in your robes of righteousness, in the righteousness of Christ, that you take what you give us, all of your gifts of grace. Father, help us to get our heads and our minds that we might comprehend just some of that profound mystery. We pray that you would continue by your Spirit to minister to our hearts, to know that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus and that as we come, whether we come today for Holy Communion or whether we come today for a blessing, we come to the Lord our God, a God whose covenant is unshakable, a God who is faithful. We come to our beautiful Saviour. We pray that you would be with us and minister to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.